Hello again, this is Noah and John from Urban Digs, and we are talking Manhattan. Today we got Michael Meyer, Meyer Real Estate. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming. Thanks Appreciate for having me. Uh, I've known you a long time. I've known yes. you since 2005, 2006. Yeah, we way days. back, yeah. So, when did you start, around that time? Uh, so I started 15 years ago. Okay. So, uh, 2004. So yeah, All around right. that time, around 2005. Yeah, around that mm -hmm. time I started. Perfect. Um, and you were just a broker at uh, So I actually, no, I started my career in a very unusual way for New York City real estate. I started at a company called Foxton's, which is no longer around. Foxton's mm -hmm. was the largest real estate brokerage in London. Mm -hmm. um, they, they came here, they bought a discount firm, Your Home Direct. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I started in the business, I started and I was trained in a discount brokerage model. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was 3% full service was our thing. Uh, I ended up pretty much running the Manhattan department. Then Douglas Elliman recruited me um, to their company with some ideas that they had and ultimately ended up just doing transactions uh, and working with the number one team of the company before I left and opened up my own firm. Okay, so, and you left to open your firm about 10 years ago. Yeah. And let me just ask you about that a little bit. So sure. um, looking back at the whole experience now, just, yeah. just because I'm sure it was in phases, right? Yeah. Um, what would you tell someone else that's thinking, all right, I'm going to... I'm gonna branch out, do my own thing, and start my own company. Is there any just yeah, words uh, of caution or anything, just to start high level? Yeah, it's funny, because a lot of times I'll, uh, I'll interview agents, I interview agents every day, mm -hmm. and some agents will be like very ambitious, and I like ambitious, but I'll be like, what is your goal? And they'll be like, well, uh, you know, we, we're gonna start, and then we're gonna do a lot of deals, and we're gonna become a very successful agent, and then team, and then you know, we wanna be like in your seat, we wanna like own a brokerage. Mm -hmm. And I'll listen to it, and I'll be like, Sounds great. Okay, great. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for somebody thinking they're only opening their own brokerage, uh, there has, just has to be a reason why you're opening a brokerage. Uh, you can make a ton of money as a team. You don't really do it for financial reasons. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of debt. There's a lot of risk. Um, so it's it's a little strange because it seems like it's pretty easy to open up a brokerage. Yeah. What do you got to do? You got to get a lease. Uh, you, you know, everybody mm -hmm. gets a broker license. Yeah. Uh, you get a website. Like, how complicated is it? Uh, and then when you actually start to build a brokerage and recruit agents, and then you start realizing, wait a minute, I need a really solid training program. Right. It doesn't mean sitting down with a few people. It means like a really huge program that people are going to be able to grow and build their careers. Uh, and then you have to figure out the technology side. Right. And there's just a lot of stuff that people don't realize the brokerage does. Right. Uh, I didn't realize that the brokerage does until I got into it. And, um, you know, and, and so I had my brokerage 10 years and I spent, I pretty much took off last year mm -hmm. and spent the whole year building an online education platform uh, with an online university where now my agents can Is this just into. for your agents or is this for every other yeah, agent? Yeah, so I build it um, thinking that I was actually gonna build it to sell. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have it actually built on a platform that I can sell through it and all this kind of stuff. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a pretty big platform. Um, but as of right now, um, I'm actually just using it for my agents, mm -hmm. and uh, I may one day sell it. We'll see. At this point, it's mm -hmm. kind of uh, great to have a lot of agents that can actually go through the program, and we can change it, and uh, they're my... From an operational perspective, Michael yeah. Meyer, the operations strategy owner of this company, um, how important is training? I mean, is it just training in the technology that they need to use to do their everyday jobs, or is it training just in how the market operates and works you know, in general, or both? Yeah, uh, well, both. Technology changes all the time, so that's a little bit more of a challenge, and, uh, you know, a lot of that's in person also. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there's training for new agents, and then there's training for an experienced agent, and there's very different kind of training. So, like, 
modules that I'll have in my course for new agents will be everything from A to Z, like the life cycle of a transaction representing a seller, life cycle of a transaction representing a buyer, stuff mm -hmm. like that, a rent or a landlord, so on and so forth. An experienced agent doesn't need that. No. You know, they know the life cycle of all that. They don't actually need the real estate knowledge, so to speak, um, but they need to understand how to market, how to generate leads. Right. Um, unfortunately, a lot of agents don't know how to do that. Right. Uh, and so the more experienced agents will you know, focus on more of that. So right. uh, it took a year, it's crazy. I started out with a 100,000 word document. Right, uh, this is the training platform. Yeah, mm -hmm. which, and then I took the document and turned it into videos and, right. and, and worked with consultants to make it course friendly and right. not like a boring textbook. Now how but, long yeah. did it take to get to this point? So you've been 10 years ago, explain to me the first three or four years, like wh what were you? Like, yeah. How did you start this company up? So first three or four years, I was really a team, uh, which means that uh, I had me, I had an admin, and I had a couple of agents that were pretty much showing my listings. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and that's how it was for, for, for a few years, like five years. Maybe. And you had an existing book of business at that time. I had an existing so. book of business. Um, I've always been pretty market savvy. I've been pretty marketing savvy. Um, uh, so uh, at Douglas Elliman, when I was working there, they used to call me the Fizbo King. Mm -hmm. That was like a, a you know nickname I got for myself because I would just be hammering the phones all day. Um, and uh, so I know I know how to generate business. Right. Uh, something I'm very good at generating business. Uh, so and we'll talk really about going that out a little there. later as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, so three then, four yeah. years, three four years as a team, and then what happened? You realize all right, we're 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 starting to get too much business coming in. We need more help, or you just like um, I need to start recruiting. Not only so much business. I mean, there was definitely more business, but it was also um, if you're only going to worry about listing and selling your own product. Mm -hmm. uh, the reasons to form a brokerage aren't so strong. You're better off just being a team. Uh, right. You don't need all the extra headache. Uh, the margins are thin. It's not. It, the reason that I opened up a brokerage is I started in the industry in a different brokerage model, very different than the traditional model, even that I practice today. So it's always just been an interesting thing to me. Mm -hmm. um, I love teaching. I like educating. I like coaching. Uh, I go around the country, you know, doing seminars. Uh, yeah, it's it's taken me to some great places personally, where I've got to interview a bunch of celebrities now, and I'm, uh, you know, I was interviewing Damon John a few months ago, awesome. and uh, speaking at some events at like Tony Robbins is that. So I'm I'm now in this kind of crowd, and it's full of people that enjoy educating others. Mm -hmm. So. I enjoy it. I like it. Um, yeah, and you got to have that in you, and you're awesome yeah. at that. And and you did that um, podcast with me a long time ago. Yeah, well, be, well ahead of the game. A long time ago, like nine yeah. years ago, ten years ago. Yeah, and uh, the production value of that was just amazing. And I always look at you as a, as an amazing marketing whiz. So like, I mean, if you're gonna help out a couple agents with marketing or, or how to generate leads, like, well, just give me a starting point here. I know you can't talk about everything in ten minutes, right? But give me something I can tell them. So, uh, first of all, I'd say you need to understand what is the point of your marketing. I think agents get lost in like, what's the color of my logo? It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, agents get lost in all this uh, pretty stuff that the consumer, uh, you know, that's not the most important thing to them. Um, and so, first question is what are you looking to accomplish with your marketing? Are you a new agent who is looking to just generate leads? Are you doing lead gen? That's one type of marketing to generate leads. Are you someone that has a book of business, you have a database, you've already built a database, which is I'm all about 
building a database, that's the core of your business. Mm -hmm. If you have a database, then is your marketing there just as a way to engage your database and stay in front of them? It's not about generating the leads, maybe it's about squeezing some leads out of an existing database, but right. it's more about instead of just calling them all day saying, are you looking to sell, are you looking to sell, are you looking to sell, yeah. and they, you know, telling you do not call me anymore, uh, you need to somehow provide stay top of mind. value to them and stay yeah. on top of mind. So know what it is that you're looking to accomplish mm -hmm. and understand that everything works, but not everything works for everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. So like people will say to me, I I'll use extremes, uh, cold calling doesn't work anymore, they say. Mm -hmm. BS, there are people who make a fortune right. cold calling. Yeah. They'll say Zillow gives me garbage leads. Uh, I barely get anything from Zillow. And there are people that make a ton of money and make a good return on their investment on Zillow. Right. Same with direct mailings. But the same agent is not, generally speaking, the same agent that is uh, good at cold calling might not be as good at networking. Right. And you know what I also always felt with this kind of stuff is it's the longevity of it. It's the discipline to stay with it because it's just my opinion that, that a lot of brokers want an instant gratification. They mm -hmm. need to spend money and see results immediately. Yeah. And what, a lot of what you're talking about is, I, I agree with everything you're saying, building a contacts database, that's something that you see, you see the benefits years and years and years yeah. after you start. Yeah. Mailing a building, doing the cold calling, getting those leads from Zillow. I mean, what is the conversion rate of those things? 4%? So 95, 96%, maybe someone got it to 5% and that's like a holy grail kind of a thing, yeah. which means 95% of these guys is gonna turn out to be nothing, yeah. right? And again, like- But uh, nothing with, when? Well, exactly, maybe yeah. not now, maybe it'd be uh, six months from now, maybe they talk to somebody, a friend, it becomes a referral. I mean, this is a referral business. Yeah. But it's, again, I think a lot of agents try it for two months, three months, they yeah. say, I'm not gonna sit there and do cold calling, it's not in me. But yeah. farming a building, for example, right? Mm -hmm. How I mean, you got to do that year in, year out, and become known for it, and that's when you start to see the effects. Yeah. I mean, do you agree with that kind of stuff? Oh, I 100 percent agree. Uh, uh, I have this uh, building specialist program where it's like you know we we walk agents through like how to do it. It's a long ass program. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you have to be in touch with the building so many times for such an extended period of time that it's. When an agent says, uh, I want to do Zillow, should I do it? Yeah. I say, how long you plan on doing it for? Right. And they say, we'll give it a shot for three months. I say, it's not going to work. Right. I mean, <laughs> you might get lucky. I, I think they get lucky. like a six-month six thing. Like, they have yeah. to do it for six months. They have to do it for six know, months. It's like, yeah. all right, if I can get you one deal in six months, yeah. you know, then you'll probably do it again. You'll make money. Yeah. You know, really interesting stuff. Um, you transacting right now? Yeah, I'm okay. transacting right now. All right. Um, how long have you been transacting for? Out of operations. Uh, so, I mean, I've been transacting now for 15 years. Uh, I definitely stepped away a bit from transaction for the last few years because I wanted to build this online education platform. Right. I also was being torn all the time between coaching agents and a lot of times saying the same things over and over again because they didn't have a place that they could go to which housed all of the education. Right. So uh, I said, you know what? Last year, most agents will share, was a very challenging year in the yeah. business. Transactions were low. Um, I've been fortunate that when things aren't great, I'm kind of good at like shifting and finding something else to really zone in on and just like focus on it. Mm -hmm. So last year wasn't a great year in terms of transactions, but it was a great year in terms of me um, building this platform. And now right. that I have it there, so much of my time is freed up right. that now I can jump back into transactions and my agents feel like our coaching has improved. Okay, <laughs> how many listings you got right now? Uh, so. Me or, or in the company? The company. Let's go with the company. 
Uh, I'd have to look up what the company has offhand. Can I can tell awesome. me first, just to give you a, a rough, like uh, an idea. I think I personally have uh, 12 to 15 listings. Personally. Personally. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Okay. Um, and, and the, the firm company, has... And the firm has a lot more. And okay. uh, just to give you an idea of like the range, we have multiple listings in the five you know, million range. And we have... Uh, plenty of listings, sub a million. Right. Uh, okay. So well, definitely the reason, covering the gamut. The reason I ask is I know you were going from an operations kind of guy, yeah. building this whole company. Um, great to hear you back at it. But I do yeah. want to get to the transactional side a little bit because yeah, people sure. want to know what the hell's going on out there. Sure. So nice. I'm glad that you have some things going on where you could speak to. Oh, it. I definitely have a lot going on. Okay. Yeah. So what what the hell's going on out there? Uh, so I'm going to end off the marketing thing with right now. For the agents that are listening, this is the best market for you as an agent. At least that's how I feel personally about it. Why is that? Uh, because I don't call a seller and for the most part they say we, we, we could do it on our own. Right. For the most part they feel like they want advice, they need advice. Even if they're thinking about maybe doing it for sale by owner or something, mm -hmm. they know that everybody's talking about how scary it is, so they want to pick your brain. Right. And if somebody wants to pick my brain, that means you're giving me an opportunity to shift the conversation to why you should hire me. Right. So I feel like I have a lot more opportunities. Uh, I'm definitely getting more listings now because I'm I'm focused on it, but I think also I'm getting more listings now because it's just I'm finding it easier right. to get listings. Mm. Um, so if you're an agent and you're looking at this market and you're saying, oh, it's a challenging market, it is. This is where you earn your commission. Right. This is where you should go out and you should work really hard. And I've always found when the market changes, uh, that's when you're needed. Right. And I now when Great I point. call a seller and I call a seller or a buyer. And I don't, it's not an awkward conversation. I'm calling him up, I'm like, hey, it's, you know, Mike Mott from My Real Estate. I look in my, you know, we have, we're very CRM based, so we mm -hmm. have a transaction management software and all this kind of stuff. So I'll see when I spoke to them last, I'll be like, you know, we haven't talked in six months. I'm sure you wanna know what's going on in the market. I'm sure you hear what's going on in the news. I don't know if you read the Real Estate Times this weekend. And they're all like, yeah, what's going on? Right. Everybody wants to know. If you called them three years ago, they'd be like, oh, what is this, what do you want? A real right. estate broker, like, what do you want? Right. What are you, what are you trying I, to sell me? Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you, so when, uh, when you look at the sell side, are, are there reasons shifting for why people are listing their apartments now versus, say, a year or two years ago? Um, I think that last year there was just a lot of stagnation. A lot of people were not sure what's going to happen. A lot of people thought, oh, maybe it's a slowdown that's going to pick up, so we don't want to like list now when yeah. it's a slowdown. We'll just wait for it to pick up. And now you have the slowdown that's already been taking place for a while. You have people that are in the million dollar range are saying, okay, the, they feel that the market's been different now for like a year. Yeah. Uh, but they also know, or you easily tell them that in the $10 million range, it's been bad for longer than a year. Yeah. So there's no tricking yourself into thinking we're in like a two month blimp here. Right. Yeah. No, and, how, and how do you actually bring up that pricing conversation to sort of like reorient people to, hey, this is a different market than it was when your neighbor sold three years ago? Yeah. Uh, as a real estate agent, I, I, I don't think we sell real estate, I think we sell stories. Okay. So when you're talking to someone, uh, it's always about, hey, how are you doing? These are great. They ask you how you're doing. You say, actually, you know, oddly enough, things are really great. Our brokerage is doing a lot of business right now, but it's, you know, it's an odd time because the market's a little bit tricky. And they'll usually be like, well, how is it tricky? And then I'll give them an example of a listing that I have and what happened and how, you know, the difficulties and putting a deal together and deals that are together. How, and you just tell them anecdotal situation and then people are usually, first of all, they trust you because you're telling them a real life story and they can uh, associate with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then it just, it becomes very fluid. 
And then when they want to get technical, to be honest, I go straight to hermetics. Oh, yeah, uh, I love this so, guy. <laughs> so for me, it's just a very, uh, it's a very, I love hermetics, obviously, I'm here. Uh, and um, and uh, I've been reading your blog for, you know, since your blog started. Yeah, a long um, time ago. You've been a long time supporter, I love yeah, it. Yeah, so, uh, so, and what's great about it is you can start with the story, yeah. you tell somebody what's going on, you tell somebody about another listing, you tell someone about a buyer transaction, yeah. whatever it might be. And then they'll say, okay, give us some specifics. And I can very easily go in there, look up, okay, you're on the, you're in Chelsea and you have a one bedroom. Would you like some specifics about what exactly is going on from a technical perspective? Would you want me to just send this over to you? Right. Now you have a story, you have intelligence in numbers and mm -hmm. figures. They like yeah. you and they think you're smart. You're great. So you turn that data into a conversation. I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, we, we tell people all the time that we tell, you got to turn data into a conversation. And it's just telling a story. That's what it's all about. Now, Some is, people are scared of the data. Yeah, so is, that a, is that a natural thing for you? Is that, or did you sort of evolve into that? I, was the Fizbo uh, King telling people stories, or was the... It's always telling people stories. He was always a storyteller. He always telling you know. stories. But I mean, he probably fine-tuned his craft. Yeah, I mean, know. when I started, uh, people hung up on me more. Uh, when right. I, I, it's, uh, okay, people say to me, uh, my owner needs to reduce the price, but he doesn't want to reduce the price. Yeah. Okay, well, what did you just say? Reduce the price? Because yeah. that's, that's not going to help. <laughs> right. Did you tell a story about someone else that reduced their price, and then they got results? Right. Have you been anchoring your seller weeks in advance of telling them to reduce the price, saying people have been giving me feedback that you need to reduce the price, don't worry, we're not gonna do anything quite yet. But then when the time comes, you've been giving them and anchoring them to this lower price, that now it's a conversation that's like, okay, it makes sense. Right. But agents are afraid to say reduce the price until they have to, and then the seller's like, wait a minute, you suck as an agent, I don't wanna reduce my price. Do you price. flat right. out tell <laughs> clients, like, like sellers, for example, on listing pitches, like this is a buyer's market? This is not a seller-friendly market. Do you say those words or no? No, I'll say, I'm sure you probably know it's a buyer's market, right? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. You'll uh, turn it around. I'll turn it and, around. And speaking and of buyers, to be like, yeah. Right. Well, speaking of buyers, I mean, sellers are a bit of a captive market. If you have a listing, yeah. then you know, you're know you telling them something and they're going to listen to you because, hey, you, you've got this signed agreement with them. But yeah. for a buyer, mm -hmm. how do you sort of get a buyer to come, how do you bridge the gap between, say, legitimate asking price and a buyer who's just like, you know what, maybe I don't know what, I love this place, but I want to give it a few months to see if that price That's is going to be That's a great question, more. Johnny. Yeah. So I'll explain to the buyer, um, you feel probably pretty confident in this market, right? And the buyer will be like, yeah, I mean, it's a buyer's market. There's so many listings out there. I can choose what I want. Da, 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 da. And I'll be like, I completely hear you. And the way that it is currently is in a lot of perspectives. As a buyer, you hold the power because you're basically showing up to a seller and saying, you know, hey, I have options. Yeah. I have all the power. And in your mind, you're looking at the seller going, begging, please right. buy. So that's probably how you see the market, right? Now, let me throw a scenario at you. Let's say I show you a property right now, and it's gonna be a great property, and there's gonna be three other people that are interested in the property, two already made offers on it. We're gonna go see it today, but if you like it, we need to move quick because you're gonna lose it to, obviously, to these other people. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that property? Is Who has the power right now? Is it the seller with two offers and three interests, or is it you just because it happens to be a buyer's market? So, markets in general are one thing, a specific product, there was only one of that product, if it's in demand, it's gonna be gone. So as your agent, I'm going to show you properties that are in demand. If I'm gonna show you a property that's in demand, there's gonna be other people that want it now or in the future. So forget about what you hear in the paper, because I'm not gonna show you the overpriced listings that nobody makes an offer on that you can really drop the price on. Mm -hmm. Or if we do, I'll tell you, hey, draw, you know, come in with a low offer. But I'm gonna show you great properties that are priced well, that you're just gonna have to make a decision if you like them or not. I wanna put you on the spot. 
Sure. Let's go back to that one scenario. I'm getting scared. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they go to that property that's a little overpriced. It's it's 140 days on the market. It's an overpriced, whatever. But they want it. Mm-hmm. All right, they want it. Let's just say, for hypothetical, it's a two million dollar asking price. The place should trade at one seven or something. I don't know, one six five, whatever mm-hmm. it is. You show data to your buyer. He wants it. This is worth one six seven, one seven. Ah, what do you tell him? Like, what do you tell him before he starts bidding? Yeah. Um, is here where you're going to stop? Like, what do you tell him once you start the bidding process and you're a hundred thousand dollars away and both parties stop? Right. It's like, first, let me, what do you tell him before you even start bidding? So I think it's not about what you tell him or even what you ask him. Mm-hmm. It's if you're a good broker, it's what are you asking the other agent on the other side mm-hmm. so that you can acquire as much knowledge about the particular circumstances. Intel gathering first. So awesome. yeah, so you got a yeah. crazy, so if you know that the seller needs to move, it's one scenario, right? We're getting very basic things. But mm-hmm. uh, if you know that the seller has a home that they really care about and they want to find a buyer that really cares about it and that's meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. That's something else. So you have to kind of understand the scenario because when you're, the this is the weirdest thing about real estate. You know, brokers will come and say, I'm a really good negotiator. I even like saying it. I like saying I'm a good negotiator. I've mm-hmm. read tons of books on negotiating. I love the art. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is a buyer and seller in New York City, in our marketplace, we put a deal together and we shake hands and anyone can spit on that deal before a contract is signed. Right. So if one person feels screwed, they just won't sign the contract, right. Right? right? So you have to get people to both feel like they won, really, yeah. because you got a week and a half maybe till the ink gets dotted, right? Correct, yes. So in a case like this, um, you, you gotta gather the intel, and in this case, are you trying to, are you trying to, Get both people to move, or are you, what, what are you trying to accomplish? I'm wondering whether or not you manage your buyer's expectations beginning. We say, listen, man, we're going to go into this thing, and I think this guy's overpriced. He hasn't been trading. He's, his, the seller broker's telling me he's not going to lower his price. He thinks it's worth X. Mm-hmm. Um, the comps only show Y. Yeah. You know, that's, that's my one question. My second question is, what happens when you start bidding and you're 100000 apart? What do you do? What do you tell your buyer? What do you tell your buyer when you're $100,000 apart? That seller will not move. So either he's going up to one eight or one eight five, which is above what the data is suggesting, yeah. but that just happens to be what this property seller is willing to go at. Right. Um, and what do you tell them? Do you, do you tell them to leave? Uh, Withdraw? Well, I don't want my buyer overpaying for a property, mm-hmm. uh, so obviously I'm going to tell them I think it's overpriced, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to say if they say that we want it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it doesn't happen that often, honestly, when you right. tell someone it's a bad deal. But sometimes if somebody really, really wants a property, then I'll say, listen, if you really want the property, then great, a property's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. If yeah. you want to pay that for it, you should. I'm just letting you know, and I'm also sending you an email following up on this conversation right. that I did tell you right. that uh, I think you're, you know, the property is, uh, is, is a bit pricey. Right. Um, and uh, you know, it's ultimately up to you how you want to handle it. Right. I'd still try to get the other side to come down. I'd still try to anchor both sides. Um, right. But ultimately, it is up to your client what they want to do. Your job is to give them the information, yeah. give them some color, mm-hmm. they choose, and you know, maybe they're right. And, and, and we've had clients in the past that have done this. We've had clients where we come in at a certain level and they've come up. And I always like, you know, for me, if there's any brokers listening, I think a nice way to protect yourself is to let your client know, like, look, there might be a question with appraising. Yeah, of course. Just yeah. bring it up. Like, listen, this is where I think it's going to trade. I am not an appraiser. They're going to hire an appraiser with the bank. He's going to do his independent research maybe right. the appraisal will come up higher, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, lower than what we have a deal for. Yeah. Um, and you know what I like to do, but I, the market has to be conducive for it, is just taking the bid away. Mm-hmm. You know, saying, like, I'm, one, I'm at one seven, best and final, otherwise, um, you know what, if you don't have a deal in 72 hours, 
um, I'll have to just, you know, he's going to take the bit away. Yeah. Always knowing that, wait a week. Just wait a week. Just see what, whether or not that seller, because I always thought that you don't know how far the seller is really willing to go to let this deal go away until you yeah. kind of push them in a corner and you take that deal away from them. Yeah. But the plan going into it is, you know, we'll take it off for a week and then we'll re-engage at the risk that the seller had some bad ill will, he doesn't want to talk to us anymore, or there's another deal that can come in. I mean, always discuss the risks. Yeah. You know, would you ever withdraw an offer like that? A lot of brokers said never withdraw the offer. Um, it's okay. I'm just no, I, yeah. it's, I, I don't, it's not a black and white question. It's like so dependent on the scenario. Yeah. Uh, you have to, how, like, how is he going to make the other side feel? Are they going to be like pissed off at you because you put them in a quick corner Could and uh, they, they don't, they're not used to it? Or is it a savvy person who has sold multiple properties in the past and they're a finance guy who understands this is how the game goes and you got 72 hours and if anything they'll respect could it happen. and they'll move on. It could happen. It, it makes it a lot easier when your buyer says I'm not going a penny higher than one seven. Right. And they want one eight. Great. You know what? I think we need to take this offer out. I'll tell you one thing though. It's worked a couple of times and when it does work, ooh, yeah. it feels good. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, I think a way to do it uh, is, uh, is, is a little bit of a trick is be the buffer to the buyer so yeah the, you might say to the other agent on the other side hey you know what i, I mean my i feel like my buyer's getting cold feet uh we're exactly. so far apart yeah i just i don't want to lose this deal you and i here are supposed to put the deal together and this is the and story this is what's gonna happen yeah. and i just i want to save it help me help you yeah let's try to make it happen so i know you're telling me the seller's not negotiable i get it if right. i offer fifty thousand below do you think he'd answer or listen, respond? Right. I know right. you're saying no, but is it even worth it or should we just walk? Intel, this, it, I recall yeah. Intel, it's really yeah. just you, you're going over all these scenarios. Yeah, you're wargaming exactly. every that's scenario and say, it. well, this is what I got here. This is, if we do this, this is what we can do. That's like the best thing you can do for your client as well, far as Well, the interesting thing is also, is, as I assume, is you do more deals. You get to know more and more of the agent community. So you kind of have an understanding yeah. of how agents and teams are going to be reacting to your sort of Intel probes and all yeah. that Yeah, stuff. no, great it's stuff. great when you know an agent on the other side and you can kind of cut through the BS a little bit and you can kind easier. of just get direct to it. Yeah, it's yeah, so, uh, so good to have the relationships. Uh, we're winding down. This has been awesome. I wanted to ask you, um, high level, we like to end on this. Um, what do you think for buyers, buyer tips, seller tips, and, and for agents? So, like, really quickly, what would you tell buyers out there right now with the market? Uh, buyers, you never know when the market's going to change. You never know when the market is all of a sudden going to improve. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you know, look at the urban stats all the time and see what's going on with the inventory. Um, but you know, I've heard some, some of your recent, uh, you know, podcasts where you talk about the market and yeah. you're seeing certain things stabilize. You don't know what's going to happen. We live in a political world right now where somebody says something or doesn't say something. And then, mm -hmm. uh, so we're in a, you never know when things will change. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so as a buyer where you have to think about where you're standing today, if you want to buy, you're fortunate that you want to buy today instead of wanting to buy two years ago, awesome. you're already in a fortunate situation find something you like at the best that you can. Consider that you're going to be there for the next five years. You'll probably be very happy in five years from now. Awesome. Sellers? Sellers. Um, why are you selling? Is there a reason that you're selling? Right. If you wait another five years, I believe that the market will probably be better. Right. Uh, if you need to sell within the next year or two, maybe not. So you have to evaluate you, you know, if something that you really want to do. And if something that you really want to do, my biggest piece of advice is hit the market at the point where, where you're going to execute at. Don't come to the market and start thinking that you're going to play this game where you're going to reduce and you're going to reduce and you're going to reduce because then you've lost all your power. It's all power. Right. You come to market, your new property, you have a little bit of power. Even in this market, there's no one else like you. You have it. Buyers come in. Most come in at the same time. They see yeah. everyone else coming to the open house. It's more than one or two at your first open house. That's your power. 
Three weeks later, your power is gone. So Create, strike. Take advantage of the urgency. Create an urgency and take advantage of the urgency. Yeah. And finally, agents, especially agents that are just starting out there, they want to start you know, upping their game. What could you yeah. uh, Agents that are starting out, you need to figure out how you're going to generate leads. It's quite simple. We are in a business of generating leads. Uh, building a life cycle for those leads and staying in touch with them in some way, shape, or form, uh, and ultimately, you know, learning how to close them. So, if right now you're just saying, "I'm just going to work with family, friends, and relatives," uh, that's just not a winning proposition anymore. The game has changed. You have a lot. So, right now, people say the business is harder than it was when when we started. I think the business is easier than when we started. I didn't yeah. have Zillow as an option. I don't care what you think about it. It yeah. wasn't an option. Uh, I didn't have uh, expired. As an digs, option. Yeah. I didn't have urban digs. I was like pulling stuff out to try to figure out where the market is comps, and going up. Yeah. Comps, so you know, this is a huge this is a huge asset for you. I can now put together emails and sound so smart because I'm citing data that you've spent years putting together. Right. And I know the hardships you went to with cleaning this data because we talked about it a yes, lot. Yes, I'd ask we you did. questions about it. <laughs> and you would be telling me like I know you the saw work. the hair falling out yeah. in real time. <laughs> so it's no joke that there is a, a tremendous amount of work you guys have put into uh, into the Thank information you. that people can share so just um, go out there and, and figure out what's going to be the best way for you to generate leads are you a prospector are you going to be cold calling uh, are you a converter are you going to be doing like Zillow leads where you're converting mm -hmm. are you a networker you're going to go out there and network with people right. uh, are you a marketer are you someone that's going to go out there and do stuff on social media and direct mailings and are you going to generate which four categories are you in right and then you just gotta you gotta you gotta try things and try things and give yourself a year it'll work out if you're meant for it this has been fantastic thank you very much Michael Meyer thank you for joining us we're at Meyer Real Estate this is Noah and John we're from Urban Digs and we are Welcome Manhattan. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.